Mahabharu taught by his example. Everywhere his conversions were uh, very simple. Conversion of Chandkazi, the conversion of Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma, conversion of Venkata uh, Bhatta, conversion of Prakashananda Saraswati. How did he convert these people? Chandkazi he converted simply by saying, Do you drink milk? Yes. Turn the cow with your mother. How could you kill a cow? That's how he converted him. Now, it doesn't sound like much of a strong argument, but there was something behind that, you see. There was not some practice, but some perfection <laughs> behind that. The result of real practice. Those simple words had power on Chandkazi. Chandkazi was, of course, a Muslim. He gave a small, short rebuttal. He said, what our scriptures say, it's okay. But how is it okay? The Mahabharata said, to kill your mother. He caved in. He allowed the Sankirtan, and every generation thereafter in Navadvipa, they're all Muslims, they all pay, pay, pay pranam to the Sankirtan parties of Mahaprabhu when they come by the house and the place of Chandakazi to this day. Sarbhum Bhattacharya, how did Mahaprabhu convert him? He converted him by, by saying nothing. Bhattacharya was a great logician, very powerful thinker, very learned, yeah. And Mahaprabhu, he sought to teach Mahaprabhu Vedanta. The young lad had taken sannyas. He was very handsome, charming, desirable. The whole world is after youth. So, but the charger was charmed by him too, but thought the world will steal this boy away. I have to give him, fortify him by teaching him the logic of the scripture, how all the scripture is really working in concordance and and it, uh, it has one central theme and so forth. This is Vedanta. It's called Nyaya Shastra, in a sense. So he taught him, what, for seven days? What did Mahaprabhu do? He sat quietly, not quietly, in dead silence. The silence just built up and built up and built up. It became more powerful and everything Sarvabhum Bhattacharya was saying. The silence outweighed the weight of his logical and scripturally based heavy presentation. It tipped the balance and Sarvabhum caved in and said, why aren't you saying anything? What's with the silence? At that time, Mahaprabhu had created the teachable moment as they say in education. Sarvabhoma thought himself to be the teacher. Mahaprabhu just silenced him <laughs> by his silence. He heavied him out hmm? with, the, with the, the gravity of his, of his silence. Then he, be, he became, he lost confidence in himself. Of course, his brother-in-law had run some groundwork ahead of time, Gopinatha Charja, by wishing that he would become a devotee, cursing him to become a devotee, practically. This kind of creating some sukriti in him. And Mahabrabhu, as I say, through his silence, made him weak. What is the silence? Mahabhu, this is my silence. You want to know? My silence is saying everything you are saying is nonsense. 
everything you said. It is just like clouding the pure light of the sun of the sutras with your imagination. That's what I think. That's what my silence is about. Then you can say something. Sarabhava asked, yes. Mahaprabhu spoke so beautifully. One shloka of Bhagavatam, Sukhdev's shloka, glorifying bhakti. Atmaramas chumunayo nigranti apirukrama. This bhakti is nigranta. Beyond scripture. Beyond the scripture, this thing. Anyway, Mahaprabhu spoke 64 different some ways about it. Superhuman thing. Unbelievable feat. And Sarvam was converted. But really by the silence. This is what got him. It was learned context. Mahaprabhu had to say something eventually. So he did. But when he was asked later by Sanatan in Banaris, after he had given all the siksha to Sanatan Goswami, about Bhakti, Sanatan Goswami said, you know, by the way, he's a scholar. He's the greatest Bhagavatam scholar in, the, you know, in existence, this uh, Sanatan Goswami. The original Bhagavatam commentator of the Gaudias. He used to sit in his house and study Bhagavatam with a group of pundits over and over again. So he had heard that in Puri, young Sri Krishna Chaitanya had converted Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. And in the context of doing so, he had explained one shloka from Bhagavatam in 60-some different ways. So being a scholar, he thought, how is that possible? What were those explanations? So as, as an aside, after getting all the siksha from Mahaprabhu, he asked, what is that? What did you say at that time? What, what, what did Mahaprabhu say? Oh, I can't. There's something passed through me. I don't know what it was. Something came through me. But if you like, I can I can say something about the verse now. Another sixty some explanations, different from what he gave to Sarvabhauma. Mahabhu hmm? <laughs> said, "This is nothing anyway. Every word in Bhagavatam is Krishna. Every syllable in Bhagavatam is Krishna." Venkatabhatta, leader of the South Indian uh, Ramanujan Sampradaya, the head priest of Shidangam their capital. Mahaprabhu stayed there. They were his hosts for four months during the Chaturmasya, the rainy season. Mahaprabhu converted him from the worship of Lakshmi Narayan to the worship of Radha Govinda. How? By joking. Purihas. By joking with him. He said, You know, I've heard that your Lakshmi is a very chaste lady. Oh, yes. Pretty chaste. Most chaste. Ideal lady. Chaste. Follower of her husband. Mahaprabhu said, then why is it that she wanted to go with another man, Krishna? Venkata, why you joke like this? He said, after all, Saddam Tastatabed AP. Krishna and Narayana won. According to Siddhanta. But some differences there when we analyze from Rasa point of view, Rasa Vichar, when we analyze like this, then we can say, Krishna's two Bhagavan's I am. Something more in Krishna. So Mahaprabhu said, okay, that's okay. But my next question is why she was unsuccessful? 
she wanted to go with Krishna and re into the rasa dance while she was unsuccessful. And Venkata said, only a person who would ask such a question could know the answer. Hmm? <laughs> he was converted at this point. <laughs> what kind of thinking is this? <laughs> We're talking about the spiritual world, about Lakshmi. Yes, so she wanted to enter the rasa dance. She, she couldn't get in. Why? Who can think like this? Why she couldn't get in? Only you could know. You're Krishna. You tell me. Mahaprabhu told us where he was converted by joking. Prakashananda Saraswati in Banaris, another major convert of Mahaprabhu. Mayavad Sanyasi, Monis, Tadvaitan. Mahaprabhu converted him by ignoring him. He came there doing Sankirtan. He was criticized by him, by Prakashananda. Who is this Sanyasi? But he travels with people and they sing and they dance like emotionalists, fanatics, sentimentalists, Mbauka, he called them. How true. Mahura ho rasikabhuvi bhavukaha. Nigamakavadorogalitam palam shukumagadamadarabhatam pasambhitam pibatabhagavatam rasam malayam. Mahura ho rasikabhuvi bhavuka. He was a bhavuka. Yes. But this could not be understood in what sense he was such by Prakashananda Saraswati. His only understanding of emotion was that it was in relation to material. It was a was a it was a function of the mind, meant the material mind. We criticized him. Mahaprabhu ignored him. Ignored him. He had sixty thousand, it said, sannyasi disciples. And this one sannyasi from Bengal is coming, and he's from the Bharati Sampradaya, lower Sampradaya, and he's ignoring me and my whole group. So this ignoring me made this made him more curious, more curious and interested. So he sought to invite him. Mahaprabhu was still ignored. I don't go there. And finally, by some arrangement, he went. Hmm. But this ignoring him just made him, made him made him in the mind of Prakashananda Saraswati more and more interesting. This way, Mahaprabhu converted these these types of people, not by big teaching. He gave big teaching to Rupa Goswami. He gave, gave big teaching to Sanatana Goswami in Chaitanya Charitam. We have those teachings. It's our teaching. We have a big teaching. That's a fact. But the sum and substance of this big teaching is do bhakti practice. Don't just think about it. Do it. You cannot think your way there. Hearing and chanting means to stop thinking. So bhakti is generous. She's coming to us in, in, in relieving us of all this heavy burden, for example, as I'm saying here, of karma marg. And gyan marg also. The next chapter is, is, is jnana yoga. But this chapter, all this burden of karma mark we relieve from if we can become a sharanagata. If we have faith in Krishna Nam, Krishna Bhakti, we embrace that. In fact, we are told by Rupa Goswami, as I said earlier, What does it mean, That your bhakti, if it's to be pure, cannot be covered by karma. It means... You cannot think, oh, if I don't do this, 
Panchamaha Yogya, like I mentioned earlier. Five yogyas regarding the pestle and the mortar and the oven and the water pot and the broom. Then I'll be implicated in some reaction, so I better do that, and then I'll chant. But if I don't do that, it'll be a problem. No, Krishna's saying, if you think that's a problem, then you don't you don't have faith in bhakti. I'm actually saying, Krishna, I'm actually saying Sarva Dharma, Purityacha, I'm saying it. This is revolutionary. This is not Krishna speaking in terms of preserving the social order like he is in this chapter. And this whole chapter, the lower end, the karmic end of this whole chapter is in, is in contradiction to the conclusion. And this verse, ostensibly, as it's understood on its face, in particular, is the opposite of the conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita is not about uh, seeing to the social order. Yes, Krishna speaks about that in the third chapter. There's a place for that. He's concerned about that to some extent. But as I said earlier, that's not what makes him tick. That things will go on nicely. The governor will, will be recalled. Or not. This is not what he's all about. Because that's a whole other problem. The whole other problem here is that all this whole karma mark, it's like you, you can't even sort it out if you wanted to. This, the whole society is, 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 is changed. It's, we could take it in a dynamic kind of a sense and everybody has a duty that's based on their psychological physiological makeup in society today and you should act accordingly that way you'll have balance in your life and then you'll be able to practice and that makes some some sense and, and so forth and so on but Krishna's really talking about a, a rebel, revolutionary life and those who can hear it and catch it can run with that it's about revolution wholesale revolution it's such a such a bold statement. Forget about Dharma. Just follow me. See, it doesn't strike us as much because we're not brought up in a, many of us in a, in a culture where all these things we may learn about from childhood, the importance of this little, so many things. And we live in a free-for-all over here. But Mahaprabhu has come to us, fallen people very kindly. Try to understand what you've been relieved of <laughs> by taking the bhakti. You have no hope but to have faith in this. <laughs> this is your only hope, your only chance to embrace this, this merciful dispensation of Krishna Nam. Oh yes, he's a statesman here in Bhagavad Gita. He's concerned about the social order, but his real self comes out in the conclusion. He says, it, will all, it, it, it is all cross over it all forget it all leave it all come to me all these things in should be understood in relation to its conclusion which again is just the conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita is begin become a bhakta it's not the conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita is, is, is attain prem it's, it's to take up that, that way of life by which, after a long, long time, bhava and prem will come. Yes, it can come quickly, but Rupa Goswami has been uh, um, clear in describing bhakti to mention that bhava bhakti is 
Very rare. We talked a little bit earlier about the rarity of liberation. Liberation. And what does Bhava Brahm Bhakti make liberation look like? Small thing. A small thing. So we are our ideal is a very big big thing. Very big thing and so much could be said about it, so much has been said about it, so much has been written about it, all for the purpose of helping us to understand how simple it is at the same time to attain, how easy it is. Look at that Gop Kumar, we were talking about him, Brihad Bhagavatamrita. He knew nothing. He didn't even know what liberation was. Just by taking his mantra attentively, with faith, with full attention. So we have to understand, in the conclusion of Bhagavad Gita, it's very much, in a sense, opposed to the lower end of this chapter, the karma end, but it's in, it's in harmony with the higher end of the chapter, which is the factoring in of the spirit of sacrificing. You see, the sacrifice is the exercise of the heart. To understand this point. Human society is different from all of the species of life because in human society we get the chance to voluntarily make a sacrifice. That means the heart of the self, which is atrophied throughout all of the species of life for the most part, in human life gets the chance to start to exercise itself. This is a this is a most extraordinary moment in nature. It's, it's, it's extraordinary enough that we can, we can that nature wakes up to, to, to think about itself, to realize it has a soul. That's what we call human life. Now, if you, if you think about that, then what you do, oh, that, all, that shows you further what a, what a, a extraordinary and unique position is the human form of life. What to do about the fact that you have a soul, that you are a soul. But you are consciousness and not matter. You see, in all other forms of life, this is not understood. Everything, soul is there, but just working according to habit. Nature just moving according to habit. It's on automatic. No thinking about it. See where we are in human life, where we are. This is extraordinary. Now, think about it, where you are, then you know what to do. What, what that to do is, ha, ah, you have to exercise that soul. And what is the exercise of that soul that is voluntarily giving? The giving we see, the mother bird gives the worm, it's on automatic. It's, no vol- it's not voluntary there. It's the movements of nature. In human life, we get, yes, we're under the influence of karma. That's a fact. But there's stored karma, there's parabdha karma, Parabdha is that portion of stored karma that is going to be played out in this life. It is your life. This is your life. That portion of the stored karma manifesting as your life, that's called prarabdha. But within that, there's also, we call kriyamana. Kriyamana means that you are at present your past. And your present, what you do about that, that past, how you relate to your past, which is manifesting as the parabda now, 
that is your future. So that means there are things that are not determined, to be determined. There's Kriyamana, and within that there's also means what you do now, which will create your future, and things that you do now, which will bring immediate reactions. It's like a subset of that. So our freedom is, is limited, uh, but some scope for free will is there. All in human life. When we act, voluntarily give, this means that an atrophied soul, if you will, is, is starting to exercise itself. And the fullest exercise of, of self-giving that is what we call bhakti. Because only can we, we can we can give the extent to which we can give and be ourself. A unit of giving tendency is dependent upon finding the proper center for giving. If you can give unlimitedly, it will only be in relation to that which can take unlimitedly. Otherwise, you will find frustration, limitation. What is that? That's what we call Krishna. That is the meaning of Krishna, who can take it all. Who can take, 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 take. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Only. The more he can offer, the more he can take. This is the meaning. It sounds bad, but in the context of what we're talking about, it is wonderful. It is, the, it is the, what the soul is looking for. Because the soul is a unit of giving. And when it fully gives, what happens? The getting that that, that that he realizes that the giving is is the getting. Krishna, Krishna, that source becomes becomes the son, becomes the friend, becomes your heart's desire. Transforms that the, the, the absolute, the center, into what you want it to be. It's incredible. The power of giving. So this little bit of giving talked about in this chapter, sacrificing the fruits of your action, that's taking us in that, in that direction and relieving us from, from the burden of these mandatory duties. It means giving is, is, giving is not a burden, giving is freedom. So let's read now as we conclude here this verse again that I cited in the beginning and see exactly how it is the antithesis of the Gita conclusion, and at the same time how it can be understood to be saying exactly what the conclusion says for those who have, the, have that type of sympathy. Krishna says, Shreya, Shreyan Swadharma Viguna Paradharmat Svanustitad. One should act according to one's own nature. It means according to Varnashram, according to one's psychophysiological makeup, and according to one's classification within the caste system. One should act according to that. What does Bhagavad Gita say? One should give up that acting. And the conclusion, Sarva Dharma and Pradyaja. One should give up one's Dharma. All Dharma. Here Krishna says, one should act according with one's, according with one's Dharma, even though there may be difficulty in doing so. Or there may appear to be some fault in that dharma, which there is in all such activities in the realm of karma. Still, you should do it. It's an em- with, em- with, em- with emphasis. You should stick to your duty. Stick to your duty. I meant many nice Hindus would like to quote this one. Stick your duty. This is Gita. Just do your duty. Take care of your family. My duty. This is the Bhagavad Gita. This is the conclusion. 
However, he is the antithesis of the conclusion in one sense. Hmm? He says, this course of action is better than engaging in, any other, in another's duties or any other duties, however well you might attend to them. Just a real, like, real conservative statement here. Stay in your own little group where it's safe in there. Perform all those duties, even though there's fault in there. Do them, do them properly. It's better to die, he said, engaged in accordance with one's nature. For anything outside of that invites peril, danger. So on one hand, at the conclusion, as I say, he's saying, Sarvadhanatrutija, forget all this dharma. Forgo it, give it up, reject it. Here, with, with emphasis, he's saying, you should stick to it. So it depends what we can hear here, what we, what we, what, what, how, what, with, and that will depend who we're hearing this all from, also, <laughs> what we understand. But as I said, while ostensibly this verse is about uh, is, is 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 the antithesis of the conclusion, at the same time, Krishna can't but be speaking about about bhakti throughout Bhagavad Gita. After all, he's talking to Arjuna, as we saw in the beginning. Arjuna himself is intimating, hey, I'm a bhakta, I'm a devotee. Why do you want to talk about karma and gyan to me? This is, this is, you're unnecessarily causing me pain. Janardhan. Give pain to your own people, especially your friends. You're always giving us a hard time. He's saying it in a justice, in a sportive manner relative to their relationship. So we've got some indication. This is really about bhakti, if we look deep beneath. So here, now, it's hard to find, but not too hard. Here's what Krishna is saying. I'll read from the commentary. And then Sridhar Marsh was, Bhakti Rukta Sridhar Marsh was fond of bringing this idea out. Looking at these verses in light of bhakti, and I'm speaking here about several verses from verse 30 on, but relative to this verse, one can find parallels between this verse and the conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita. The Gita concludes by telling us that abandoning social religious concerns and surrendering to Krishna himself is the essence of dharma, prima dharma. Here, covertly, he says the same thing. How was that? He says, you should act in accordance with your nature. Your nature? What is Arjuna's nature? He's a devotee. Really, his nature is, 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 is to be a devotee, to be a chatriya, that is uh, superficial. You should act in accordance with your nature as a devotee, even though in doing so, you may appear faulty for neglecting worldly concerns. You understand? By giving up all other obligations and acting according to your real nature. Jibar Swarup Hai Krishna Nityadas as a servant of Krishna. People will find fault in you. Oh, you didn't take care of this, you didn't attend to that. Even in our society, we'll just speak of in a society that's largely governed by Varnashram and so forth. Oh, all these religious duties, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. What about the oblations here and the mother and father this and that? And, um, you didn't get your daughter married at the right time? 
all these things. What about that? So he says, you should act in accordance with your nature as a devotee, even though in doing so you may appear faulty for neglecting worldly concerns. This course of action is better than engaging in any other duties, however well you might attend to them. It would be better to die acting in accordance with your own eternal nature, for other duties invite peril of continued birth and death. Payam dvitiya biniveshidasyad, famous Bhagavatam shloka. Because of acting contrary to our nature as a devotee, oh, we, we become immersed in an ocean of peril, of fear and anxiety. This is the source of all anxiety. So in this way, while ostensibly, as I say, this verse is the antithesis of the conclusion, with the heart and eyes of devotion, we can find, oh, Krishna is really speaking about the same thing here that he's speaking about in the conclusion as he begins, really, in this chapter to educate uh, systematically Arjun about the principle of sacrifice which is is the is the mother so to speak of of love love is the child of the mother of sacrifice sacrifice gives birth to to love ultimately so any question yes i had a question um it's something uh, like if the goal is jagatam swaramata to serve the lord and it was uh, revealed to us in, in a confidential way through a confidential avatar. How come that happened in that way? That bhakti was shown in a confidential way. Why was it shown in a more... Why wasn't it shown... Well... Um, think that first of all most people are not interested in, in spiritual life and there's a saying that uh, in the Bible something like don't put pearls before the swine. swine something like that so because there's little little interest in the subject matter then it's more often and more extensively spoken about in a general way, in a broader way, which will promote some interest. In other words, if most people are interested in sense gratification in the material world, then if you're going to talk about God, talk about God in relation to sense gratification, because that's what they're interested in. So for, therefore, the, the major emphasis on the scriptures is, is, is in terms of Dharma Shastra, Karma Mark, Karma Kanda. Uh, for example, all this Dharma Shastra practically is, is, is all karma kanda. So, all, of all the Vedas, as the Gita itself says, the, the greater balance of the Vedas is all about karma mark. It's about greater sense gratification. You like sense gratification? Hey, come over here. I'll show you how to have sense gratification you never could have had before. There's a place, heaven, you can go there. You can live for a long time. You can, you can. Everything's cooked in ghee. 
There's no, and there's no indigestion. There's no cholesterol problems. You like that? You like sense gratification? Gratification, come over here. This way. Enter the Dharma mark, the Karma mark. You, you follow, inquire about Dharma. Tato, Dharma Jignasu. Now's the time to inquire about Dharma. So inside of that inquiry, so many injunctions are there. You take them very seriously because if you don't do it right, you don't get the result. So you've got to be very careful. So you pay attention. So you develop faith in the scriptures. It tells you exactly how to perform every rite and ritual. And as your faith in scripture is developed, then somebody might say, you know, there's something else in that scripture too. Check this out. If you think this is good here, Heaven is a hundred times more, a thousand times more than that. It's above heaven. What kind of happiness you can have there? So then that, that faithful person who has been very faithful following the Dharma and that faith in the scripture, very religious, he develops eligibility, adhikar, for hearing about gyan, about the soul. And so then he then he then he thinks, oh gosh, wow. It's not just about there's happiness that's, that, that that can't even be described in comparison to sense gratification. There's no comparison. Incredible. So he starts to tread Gyan Mark and understand the soul, and then within the context of understanding the soul and pursuing liberation, he might be lucky to find out. Oh, this in, in, in the context of being liberated, there are different possibilities and opportunities. But this is this is of course getting very confidential. This is secret stuff. This is what like most people are not interested in this, not ready to put in the time for this. So it's not it's it, it's just, this is Krishna is God, you know, doing his own thing. I mean, it, it, he's relaxed. He's Swayam Bhagavan. He's being himself. This is this is this is not just uh, for anybody and everybody. It's very confidential. It's called Svetadweep. It's like a private island. And so, it's there. It's in the scripture. It's possible, but you have to be very interested to go there. You have to be extremely interested. Nastapraeshu abadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. Bhagavati vitamashtoka bhaktir bhavati naishtiki. If you read Bhagavatam and pay very close attention, you can find out all these secrets. That's what the Goswamis did, you see. You read Bhagavatam, what will you find out? What will you understand? What is it about even? Even if you understand it's about Krishna. The Goswamis, I'll give you an example. They paid such attention to what the Bhagavatam was saying. They could understand that when Krishna left Vrindavan, and promised to come back, he actually came back. You won't understand that from reading the Bhagavatam. One shloka in Bhagavatam, in the first canto, in Dwarka, the citizens say, Oh, when you go away to Mathura, we feel uh, separation from you. It's unbearable. When you go away from here to Mathura, taking this one verse, and then, supplementing it from Padma Purana. They, they created the whole... They, they explained how Krishna returned after killing uh, Dantavakra. He went back to Braj, collected everybody up, took them to Golok. Otherwise, you read the Bhagavatam and, and you won't even stop to think, 
what happened to the Brudge people? It won't even hit you as it's significant. Wow, it's a great book. Exciting. And I'll be a bhakta. I'll be a devotee. Yes. But your heart won't be breaking. What happened to the gopas and gopis? You didn't, you didn't understand Bhagavatam. That's what it's all about. The whole of Bhagavatam is about Krishna's love for the devotees in Vrindavan and their love for him. And, and particularly his love for Radha that reaches its crescendo in the Rasalila. And then everything after that is meant to shed light indirectly back on the significance of that. But you read it, you won't understand that, and you won't think, wait a minute, the book ended. What happened to Radha? And her love for Krishna. She's withering away in Vrindavan. You don't even feel that. You'll, you'll read at the end, it says, so do Sankirtan. This is the last verse. So you do Sankirtan. But, but Goswamis, they understood. So they have explained all that. They're special people. Rare people. And why are they here? Because Mahaprabhu is here. Why is Mahaprabhu here? Because Krishna himself is thinking about all these things. In the midst of the Rasa Leela, seeing the measure of Radha's love, and knowing himself to be a connoisseur of love, he's thinking, wait a minute. I have no experience of this measure of love. And I'm Rasa Raj. That's my reputation. I've got a problem. Here I am in the midst of my Leela, for tasting rasa, he's rasika also. He's also a taster of rasa himself. And I'm meeting with some limitations. This leela is not facilitating me in terms of my business of tasting the fullness of rasa. That's what I'm about. Something has to be done. Another leela. That is, that is, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was appearing right there. Napareham. He says, I have to bow to your love. I said in the Gita, I, I give according to the, the measure in which I'm approached. I, I cannot. I, give, I have to give myself. What you have is better than me. And I want to taste it. You have to steal it. He has to steal it. That's why he's tried to steal That is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And in that Leela, Krishna got to experience the full measure. Rasa, Rasa, Rasananda, tasting the mood of Radha. And now the Rup, Sanatan, the attendants of Radha and so forth, the whole retinue, the whole entourage will come as well. So this is, yours is not the reason why. <laughs> why it's happened. <laughs> it happened. It's happening to you. Don't have a doubt. If it's so good, then why hasn't it been told widely to everybody? Why has it been kept a secret? Because it's so good. It's very, very special. Don't doubt that it's not special. If it was special, why wasn't it given to everyone? That's why it wasn't given to everyone. <laughs> because it's very special. But more special is when a very special thing is given to everyone. That is very special. <laughs> that is Mahabharanaya Vatar. That is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That's why Rupa Goswami is reeling when he says, No more Mahabharanaya. Krishna Prema Pradayate. 
He's saying, you are the most magnanimous. You're giving the highest thing, Krishna Prem. I can't believe it. This is the thing we taste in Braj. This secret private thing. You're giving it to everybody. I can't believe it. You're, only Krishna can do this. Maybe so sees fits. And that's who you are. I figured it out. And I'm not starting to understand who I am now. Also. Here he's in a kind of a yoga maya. He's starting to realize, wait a minute, you're Krishna. I'm a devoted to Krishna in my sadhaka deha. But you're Krishna himself coming. And I am... Oh, that's it. You don't come alone. I'm Therefore I've come too. Radha, her attendants... Gopas, Gopis, everyone. Goswamis are realizing this is a this is a phenomenal thing that's happening in the life of the Absolute. Wow, and this is another day in the life of the Absolute, an extraordinary secret secret Leela. If your Leela wasn't secret enough, this Gore Leela is even more secret of a thing. Although and it, and it's although it's outreach giving the secret of your Leela everywhere, at the same time, is more secret even than your Leela, because it's the most esoteric part of your secret Leela, Krishna, that it takes place. It's the secret about you, about your transcendental incompleteness that you're realizing. Who could imagine? You, such a hero of love, found some shortcoming. It's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the answer. Anything else? Yes. What, is, what does Rupa Goswami mean when he says Bhav Bhakti is rarely achieved, is it rarely achieved by people in general, or is rarely achieved even amongst the sadhikas, the devotees? Yeah, it's rarely achieved by, in the context of bhakti, it's rarely achieved. It's the goal of sadhana. What he wants to say you got to do sadhana, a lot of sadhana to get that. And kripa, you have to get mercy. But one says the mercy is that right, you've been given these things to do. It's not going to happen overnight. Don't think like that. It can, but if you live your life like that, it's like living, you know, with the idea that I'm, I'm going to win the lottery. Why should I work? Good luck. But you should... But the... But the, but the fact of the matter is, if you take this up seriously, then you'll be happy knowing I'm doing the right thing. You know, I'm doing something that will result in this. It doesn't matter when. The more you become, the more you understand it, it doesn't matter when. And the, and the more you start to think it doesn't matter when, the closer you are to that. You've underst- you started to understand it now. It doesn't matter when. Bhavatat bhakti Mama Janmani Janmanishwari, I'm doing it. This is this is the best thing to do. It's nice. It's happy. To be a sadhaka, that's not to be an ordinary person. Anything else? Yes. Yes, Maharaj, when you were you're talking about how bhakti is the like the secret door in this world and it just reminded me of something I read the other day in Nishapanishads which I must have read a hundred times but it never 
never really struck me, but it's in the verse where um, Ishapanishad is recommending that one should hear about the personality of Godhead from undisturbed authorities. And then in the purport, uh, Prabhupada's talking about how one who's after many, you know, there's a verse from the Bhagavad Gita, after many, many births and deaths, one who realizes Krishna is everything, that person has the conviction to surrender to Krishna. And so Prabhupada says in the purport that generally that's the process, that after millions of births, one may come to this realization that Krishna is the source of everything and surrender unto him. But if one hears from an undisturbed authority or someone, a realized soul in the disciple succession about the nature of Krishna, then he can immediately get that conviction. Mm. That conviction can be transferred. So it, it does seem, you know, like it's taking us a long time in this world to come to that conclusion, but we may not have any qualifications at all, but we've heard from an undisturbed authority and gotten that conviction, even though yes. it may be weak. You mad, the gradual path is quite uh, different and time-consuming. As I said, uh, Dharma, Tato Dharma Jignasu, first one should inquire about Dharma and, f- and fully follow the Dharma. Then one can inquire about Brahman. And then even the context of inquiring about Brahman you might not develop the sensibility to inquire about Rasananda, but if you made a, a great soul, then he can immediately create your Adhikar for hearing about Rasananda. And um, I think Prabhupada himself might have said something like that. Yes, I've created your good fortune or Adhikar or something like that. Baladev comments like this in Vedanta Sutra, Atatu Brahma and also Shankar same says, but it's possible by association of a of a great soul that one can develop eligibility that he would otherwise not have, which would come gradually over many, many lifetimes. So Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Shastrikai Lava Matra, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Siddhi Hai. Right? Keep good company, that's very valuable, even the short time. Shudamars once said to me, Adam is very small, but inside is great potential. Similarly, a little bit of association with the great soul, even a little bit, has great potential to change the course of your life. Jai. Sri Bhakti Lakshakshidadi Goswami Marshki Jai. Jai. Sri Bhakti Vidanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada Ki Jai. Sri Bhakti Vidanta Paribar Ki Jai. Kuri Vashnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Shri Shri Gaurnatananda ki jai, Shri Gauriyatin Thakur Shri Shri Radha Manan Mohanji ki jai, Radha Govinda Dev ki jai, Radha Gopinath ki jai, Shri Vrindavaneshwari Shri Radhe ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande, Haribo.